Hey, Church Home, I am so excited to be with you today. Wherever you are in the world, we love you. We are so glad that you are worshiping with us and encountering the story of Jesus. He is so good, so amazing. In the United States of America, February is such a special and significant month. If you didn't know, February in the United States of America is Black History Month, and we are so excited to celebrate Black History Month here at Church Home. We have such a special series prepared for you. I am so excited, and I mean this, and I'm gonna say it a few more times because it's rare that I get to say it. In fact, I don't think I've ever said this before. This is actually, quite literally, the single most exciting series I've ever been a part of. Uh, I have been preaching for 11 years as your lead pastor. I've been at this church for 26 years or something. Well, no, the church started, I think it's like 28 now. Uh, started when I was 13. Uh, I love you, church home, but this is it. I have never been more passionate and excited and anticipating what we are going to learn and grow together and the knowledge and wonder and majesty of Jesus in this series, we are titling it The Image of God. And the reason the title is The Image of God is I couldn't think of any other really cooler title. So we went with The Image of God and I did the unthinkable. I thought, uh, who could I ask to partner with me on the subject of The Image of God? And uh, I decided to ask a very new friend of mine who is one of the men I admire most in the United States of America and quite literally the world. And that is another than Dr. Jamar Tisby. He is going to be with us next week. We are partnering in this series together. If you don't know Dr. Tisby, you are gonna to get to know him. He will blow you away. Already has added so much to my spiritual journey. If you're not familiar, uh, his blockbuster book, The Color of Compromise, went all over the world. It had such an impact on our family, the life of our community and church, our kids. By the way, if you don't know, there are videos that summarize the whole book on Amazon. Amazon Prime, you can watch it for free and watch Dr. Tisby teach the, um, the pithy and powerful content within the book. He's gonna be with us, it's gonna be amazing. We're partnering together in this series, The Image of God, as we celebrate together Black History Month here at Church Home. So let's jump in to part one of The Image of God. We're gonna begin reading, where else? but right at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter one. And here's what you can expect over the next 30 minutes. I know it's hard to believe that I'll only go 30 minutes, but here's what you can expect. You can expect to see again, or maybe even for the first time, the value that is you, the miracle that is you, the significant role and person that you are in the landscape of the whole earth. I know oftentimes we say things, it's not about us, and it's about Jesus, and it is, but I want you to know that you're not an accident, you're a miracle. And exactly the way you are is supernatural, miraculous, and I believe ordained by God. And even in our weaknesses and our shortcomings, God makes up the difference. And he, he adds and gives and has birthed us with such implicit value and significance. I just want you to know here at Church Home, you're the miracle. The church is not a building. It's not a website, certainly not a book. It's not a preacher. It's, it's us. 
It's people, and that's all it is. The Bible says we are living stones being built together to make up a beautiful community that represents the person of Jesus and the love of Jesus in earth. And so I'm excited because I think now it's only about 26 minutes left, but I think in the course of the next 26, 25 minutes, uh, you're gonna be encouraged, you're gonna be built up. Uh, if you're new to this space and new to our space, I want to remind you, we believe in the good news, not the average news, the ordinary news, or certainly not the bad news. We've got enough of that or the sensational news. We're here for the good news. And here's what you can count on. That good news is going to build you up. It's going to actually make you more of who God has designed you to be. Furthermore, I think at the end of every time that we are together, we end up just thinking more about Jesus. I think that's one of the great signs and signals that the gospel has been shared is that you get this overwhelming sense that Jesus is big and grand and wonderful and generous and incredible, and he's with me wherever I go. All right, I have preached the sermon before the sermon. I hope you can feel my excitement and anticipation and passion because it is so real. All right. Ready to jump in? Here we go. Genesis chapter one and verse 26 says this. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea. I love fish. I must admit I love fish. And over the birds of the air and the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. Let us make man in our image. Next verse, God says, or it says, God created man in his own image. Let these words just sink into your soul. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Do you know that these words, and then God blessed man and said, be fruitful and multiply and have authority and dominion over the fish, the birds and the heavens and over every living thing, that is the animals and the squirrels and the snakes and the spiders, um, we have dominion. But let those words sink in one more time. God made you in his image, in his likeness. Even the Genesis account almost gives us a further definition. What does it mean to be in the image of God? You are in his likeness. He has shared his likeness with you. Did you know, not to lessen in any way, but this is not said of the animals. This is not said of the soil. This is not said of the mountains. All of it declares his glory, the scripture says, but his likeness, his image, his eternalness, if you will, he shares with you. Did you know that the centerpiece of creation is almost 100% agreed upon among scholars and theologians and writers and thinkers, and that is you. You, in fact, are the centerpiece of his creation. Part of me laughs because I wonder like, when my dad would be like, the world doesn't revolve around you, son. I almost wanna go back and be like, well, dad, I am the centerpiece of his creation. You know, I don't recommend that for uh, young people out there combating your Christian parents who tell you the world doesn't revolve around you because in a way it's true. And yet you are his peculiar, precious likeness. You are like, um, you know, when they get a beautiful, costly, precious gem, like a diamond, and you place it in a setting or a ring. You can tell I like jewelry, okay, we get it. But when they set this onyx, right, it's this, it's, this whole ring is designed to show off this stone, this onyx. 
I want you to know that creation itself is peripheral to God and you. You are the expressed image of God. And you know what's amazing about the likeness of God? It cannot be taken from you. It cannot be taken from you. It is implicit. It is baked in, if you will. It is given to you. And you know what's amazing? Your income, your renown, your reputation, your popularity, you know, all these things that social media is built around. And now we have a scoreboard for life. Who's more important than others because you have more people following you and this person like, you know, none of that affects whatsoever or has any weight around the fact that you bear within yourself the image of God and the likeness of God. I wanna make just a few observations as we begin to frame and work together in this series, The Image of God. And as Dr. Tisby comes, you are going to uh, see such an incredible picture and portrait, even as the image of God's been played out in this country and its implications and how it affects maybe the country you're in. You're gonna hear some history, further explanation and definition from scripture. And here's what I'm so excited about is these 30 minute, these four 30 minute sermons and talks can in two hours give you a grasp, a framework for understanding one of the most important realities and dynamics in the human experience. And that is that you, yes, you bear the likeness and image of God. He has shared his likeness with you. And that's where it all begins for me. Think about it. God says, let us make man in our image. One translation says, let us share with man our image. I want us to step back. And I know we've talked a lot about already talking about how we bear the likeness and image of God, but can we just consider God for a moment? Can we consider his gregarious nature? Can we consider his generous ways? You have been given a gift. Right, we can go all the way back to your birthday, right? All the way back to your birthday. And you know, one of my favorite things, if you've been around church or church home for a while, one of my favorite things to say is, did, did you choose your birthday? Did you choose your, your culture? Did you choose your country? Did you choose your ethnicity? Did you choose your loved ones? Did you choose who was your mom and dad? Maybe you didn't know your mom or didn't know your dad, but was that your choosing? No, I believe it was ordained by God. You are who you are by the gift of God. The scripture says the grace of God, but you can insert gift. Your whole life is a gift. Think about it just for a moment. With all the complexities and challenges you're facing and whether or not you get the snacks for your son's soccer team and you forgot the snacks. And if you're like me, I drove to the studio to shoot this today and I forgot my shirt and then I got lost and I was on a one way going the wrong way. And you're like, ah, life is happening. And sometimes we forget Hold on a second. Let's step back from all the calamity, all of the tension, all of the anxiety, all of the frustration, agitation, beauty and wonder of life and go, this is all a gift. Wherever you are sitting watching this, you're a gift. Your whole makeup is a gift. You didn't choose it, right? I was looking recently, I'm thinking about buying a truck. Okay. And I'm like, man, maybe I should get a truck. And of course I don't, I'm not really a truck guy. And I know you're watching this and you're like, don't really fit the truck guy, but you know, I'm trying to break stereotypes. Um, so I'm looking at a truck and I went on this one website and they're like, choose, you know, the outside color, choose the trim, choose that. Like, 
Sometimes we pretend as if like we chose. I didn't choose. I didn't choose this. God chose my frame. God chose my nose. God chose my ears. God chose my eyes. God chose my hair, right? And I'm trying to keep it as best I can, right? It, it's all gift. And I believe before we go any further on the all-important subject of the image of God, we got to slow down for a moment, you know? You know, when you go to a workout, like, all right, shake it out, shake it out. It's like, shake all the dimensions and layers and challenges of life and go, wow, we, we all got here because of gift. You're a gift. And I want you to see who you are as a gift. I want you to see your family of origin as a gift, as challenging as that might be. I want you to see your ethnicity as a gift. I want you to see the country and continent that you're in as a gift. The city you live in is a, as a gift. Oh sure, as life goes on, there's decisions that we get to make and free will and sovereignty are always in this beautiful tension in the human experience, but your life is a gift and the image of God has been shared with you. It's been given and graced. And I guess the posture that I'm trying to promote almost immediately at the outset of this series is gratitude, which is one of the pure forms of worship. It's just this like, hey, thank you for this. Not why this, but thank you for this. You activated my brain. You gave me a name. And by the way, you could argue that your mom, your uncle, your aunt, your dad, your grandmother didn't give you your name. The Bible says that we were fearfully and wonderfully made, formed in our mother's womb, and God named us, and God saw us. And I just want you to know that it's just proof that you're loved. It's proof that you were put together perfectly by the hands of God. With that comes a weight of value that I think this side of eternity is very hard for us to ascertain and understand. But you are right now sharing the likeness of God. That's wild, right? So then, other than God himself, what's more important on earth than people? But aren't we fickle, funny creatures? We will take the very most valuable thing on earth and we will make it less than programs, productions, renown, money, social standing, and we will actually lessen the value of one another to get what we want in this life, which by definition is simply temporal and it's not eternal. Well, you know what? It's different in God's family. It's different here at church home. We are saying people over everything relationships over everything. My, uh, my cousin's got a tattoo, and I don't know how you feel about tattoos. I'm, I'm tatted, I don't wanna get into it. I got a tattoo right here, I don't wanna get into it. I don't wanna brag or anything. It hurts so bad, I'll never get another one. Um, some of you are like, that's the judgment of God. I don't know, or it's just a needle that hurt really bad. But my cousins have a tattoo, and, it, and it, it's, it's like symbolic, it's got a sign, and it, it means family over everything. And you know, I've been debating that with them, and yeah, it's awesome, but, but really what I subscribe to is people over everything. Nothing is more important other than God, the divine himself, than the centerpiece of his creation, the being, the only being he has shared his likeness with. 
Isn't that amazing? In fact, the, the gregarious ways of God, they continue. In Genesis chapter 2, it literally says that man became a living being only when God breathed his breath. One of my favorite um, kind of sobering perspectives on how we were all activated is that we're living on borrowed breath. The image of God, a lot of it is shared through borrowed breath, his breath in your body. Now, you might think of, wow, what must it have been like to have been Adam knowing when he took his first breath, he was literally exchanging air from God. And yet, I believe it's almost that real for you and me. What's wild is nobody taught us how to breathe. Now, I need to breathe better and breathe deeper. Okay, I learned that at yoga class. I hope it doesn't offend you, but I am working on my breathing. But there's this instinctive thing. We inhale, exhale. Even our breath speaks to the partnership we're in. Every time you breathe in, that's gift. Every time you breathe out, that's gift. You're living on borrowed breath. In fact, the Bible seems to insinuate that none of this was even active or alive until we got the breath, the Spirit of God. Isn't it funny because life is so interesting because as you live it, sometimes you feel like God can't be where I am. This is so broken. This is so bad. This is so maybe compromised. God clearly is not here. And yet, he is as close to you as your next breath. He is aiding you in the inhale and the exhale. I really believe this. A lot of people say, well, based on experiences and circumstances and history and situations, like God must be a million miles away. Oh no, my friend, you're the centerpiece of his creation. You are his shared likeness. You have within your bloodstream, your bones, your ligaments and joints, the breath of the divine. You're a wonder. You're a spectacle. They say there's seven wonders in the world. I push back on that. The first wonder other than God himself is the human being. And you know, implicit within Genesis 1 and 2 is this idea of camaraderie that we are unique amongst the animals. And you know how in love I am with dogs now. I am in love with my puppy, Louie, and I've had my moments telling the Lord that I need Louie in eternity. So he needs to be there, and I need to know that he's my guy. It's little Louie, my little multi poo right? I want him there. So that's not what the series is about. The series is about is not do all dogs go to heaven, but I do want a little caveat. Dogs go to heaven, cats go to hell. We know this in scripture. Let's move on, okay? But <laughs> the truth is, it's you, you're the centerpiece. You're the one that shares his likeness. Now I wanna make one last observation. And we're only about 20 minutes in, so we are ahead of schedule. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping wherever you are watching this, it leads to a robust conversation with those maybe in your living room, those in your bedroom. I don't know if you got a bunch of people in your bedroom. You know, that's awesome too. Wherever you are watching, I hope this leads to conversation. I wanna, I wanna draw your attention one more to Genesis 1:26. It says, God said, let us make man in our image. You see those two words, us and our? Us and our. 
God said, let us make man in our image. Now, what we're learning almost immediately within the first 26 verses of the Bible narrative as we are extrapolating from what is the Hebrew Bible, what is defined as the Old Testament, is that God within himself is an us and an R, which is, it points us to who God is. Now, if any preacher ever tells you they understand the Trinity in all of its beautiful dimensions, they are lying. Okay, everyone, every woman or man who does what I do, when it comes to the Trinity, it's kind of like, it's the three in one. God is, he is one, but he is three, and he's indivisible, but, and it, it, but distinguishable, and the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Now, one of the reasons I believe the Trinity is important is because it speaks to the nature of God. God within himself is a community. He's a community. And in the exchange or the gifting of his image, in probably the most significant sentence we have in all the Bible about the image, or certainly one of them, there is an us and an R. There is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit saying, let us share the image with man. But I want you to see this, I think it's really important. The image is inherently a community image which is to say we're interconnected. We are one of the same. Them and they, in terms of pointing people groups out or people that are different than you, it's actually unbiblical because we are each other and we are actually orchestrated by God to live within proximity with each other. That's probably why Solomon says, a man who isolates himself, seeks his own desires and rages, it's kind of like, it's pretty dramatic language, rages against all wise counsel. It's like, whoa, Solomon, relax a little bit. But there's this idea in the Bible narrative that we are relational beings, we are interconnected beings, that we are to live with one another, we're to live within community. I wonder if that's why Jesus said, let me summarize the 631 laws and all of the Hebrew scriptures and all of the Hebrew Bible and all of the law and all the Old Testament as this, just love God and love your neighbor. I want you to think about that. Let that sink in for a moment. We share the likeness of God. We're living in borrowed breath, but it's also a community image, relationship over everything, people over everything. Well, I guess now my dad was right. It's not all about you, son. The world doesn't revolve around you, son. Well, you know what? He was right. That my life is to be lived amongst others. My life is to be lived with others. Well, here's one of the reasons I believe that is. Because together and collectively, not individually, but collectively, we make up the portrait and the image of God. That's what's happening, is together, your differences from my differences, together we make up the picture and the portrait of God, which by the way, is probably the most important thing that's happening in the world, is that the world would see the divine, the world would see the architect, the world would see the creator, but the world can't fully see who God is just in one dimension that is me. It's so funny because in the, in the age of success, right, we, we so celebrate success, what we want to try to do is be exactly like the successful people. But if we're not careful, that passion for success 
we start all becoming the same. That was never the design. That was never the plan that we would all look the same, that we would all speak the same, that we would all walk the same, that even our backgrounds and our cultures and our art and our food and our decorum and our demeanor, it's all different and God says it's good and it's beautiful and it's what makes up the dimensions of God's image and beauty. Now, we've said a lot, but I want to end where I always want to end, and that is Jesus. We speak of the us and we speak of the are. We speak that God is within himself a community. And boy, if you're like me, my head starts to spin. And I'm like, what does that mean? Let me take you to Colossians. Colossians chapter one and verse 15 as we conclude. Listen to what it says about Jesus. He or Jesus is the divine portrait. That's image language. Jesus is the perfect portrait of God. The true likeness of the invisible God and the firstborn of all creation. The firstborn heir of all creation. That's the passion translation in Colossians 1.15. I want to jump down to another scripture in Colossians. It says in Colossians 1.19, God is satisfied to have all of his fullness dwelling in Jesus. Now, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about preaching Jesus is because I think sometimes it gets a little overwhelming in our limited time and space. We're like, okay, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, can you explain that? Here's what I love about Colossians. It says, listen, if you want to know the Father, look at the Son. If you want to understand the Spirit, the Spirit reveals the Son. Jesus is the fullness of the Trinity in bodily form. If you want to see the us and the are, you can see it in Jesus. Jesus reflects and declares and is and embodies the fullness of the commune of God, if you will. He's it. How, who is God? Look at Jesus. What is important to God? Look at Jesus. What's the priority of God on earth? Look at Jesus. How would God love? Look at Jesus. How do I love my neighbor? Look at Jesus. And what does this mean? Paul's writings in the New Testament and all these epistles and these letters. What is it? Look at Jesus. Jesus is the definition. Jesus is the expression. Jesus is the story. Jesus is the portrait. Jesus is the image. And you know what's happening to you and me? God is working us together in community so that we can look more like Jesus. The answer is Jesus. The antidote is Jesus. The superhero is Jesus. The savior is Jesus. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, I love, this is, this is good preaching. I'm glad we're just talking about Jesus. But as we conclude, I want to challenge you with this thought. Jesus, God in his sovereignty and divineness, chose an ethnicity for Jesus. He chose an ethnicity. He chose a background. He chose a culture. He chose Jesus to look like a certain people group on earth. Now, before we even say what his ethnicity was, let us conclude that if God, keeping in mind, God could have came as a raceless person and we would just go, well, I guess that's his plan. He could have came as kind of a 
an, an amalgamation of all ethnicities. But he chose one. First of all, to send a message to all of us who receive God and his lordship and rulership, that ethnicity is beautiful. It's wonderful. It is to be celebrated. Years ago, uh, there's a company called Cross Colors. It's making a comeback. And I used to wear Cross Colors all the time. And God bless that company. And, but, but one of their t-shirts back in the 90s, I wore to middle school and high school, said, love sees no color. Nothing could be further from the truth. No. God sees color because he made color. And he celebrates color. And all the different ethnicities, we think it's kind of the backup plan. No, it's the plan. God is building us together, loving our neighbor. What's steeped in that teaching is loving people not like you, loving people with different backgrounds. That doesn't mean to say that you don't like the food you were raised with. It doesn't mean that you don't enjoy the culture that is who you are in your background, but it amplifies for us that inherent within the gospel is this celebrating, caring for, and understanding that there is a level plane in the gospel and all of God's children are welcomed at the same table. You remember that old song, red and yellow, black, brown, and white, they're all precious in his sight. It's good theology. You've heard me say this before, but Sometimes some of those Sunday school rhymes and statements are really good theology. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's right up there with about the best theology you can ever learn. But don't forget, inherent in the gospel is this idea that all of us, red, yellow, black, brown, and white, we're not just precious in his sight. We were made in his sight, exactly who we are and we're celebrated. I want to make one last observation as we conclude it. I cannot wait for you to hear from my friend and someone I'm hoping that Church Home is going to hear from a lot more, Dr. Jamar Tisby. It's going to be amazing. So please stay tuned in next week. Um, you are going to learn so much, grow so much about yourself, about the world, about others, and about how we live the love of Jesus in our everyday life. But I want to make one last observation, and that is, I wonder, I just wonder, let me just have some, a moment of consideration. And I'm willing to say some of this is just my perspective. Isn't it interesting? And let us reason together for a moment. Why did Jesus choose? God chose an ethnicity for Jesus. And when Jesus was born, he was born into a people group that were under incredible um, persecution. They were a marginalized people group. The Jewish people were marginalized. Jesus became a Jew. The country and the people group that God designed and made, he enters the world not coming as an ethnic group that was the current world power. But he comes and he's introduced to the world as a Jewish baby. What's the message he's sending us? And then you watch the baby grow, the God-man, the divine, born of a virgin, sinless and perfect. And you watch him live. And you watch him live as a Jewish man, deeply loving the ethnicity 
that he is, honoring the ethnicity that he chose, while also not only challenging his own people, but challenging the regimes and the powers of the day. It's interesting, a friend of mine and I were talking just before we turned on the camera, and oftentimes we see the miracles of Jesus as just, oh, it was a healing. But do you know, oftentimes those healings were massive. They were ethnically charged. They were culturally charged, meaning like, Jesus, you're, you're healing a, a woman? Jesus, you're caring for a Samaritan? This is, but what is he showing us? He's showing us his ways. And lastly, I think I've said lastly three times now. Lastly, did you know? Let this sink in for a second. Jesus is still Jewish. He's still Jewish, right? First of all, he appears to the disciples. Remember, he walks through the walls after the resurrection, before the ascension, and he says to doubting Thomas, we'll just call him Thomas because it's an unfair, because aren't we all doubting? <laughs> you know, but he says to Thomas, go ahead, look. But they recognized him. He was still Jewish. Do you know, I believe, based on my reading of scripture, in eternity, Jesus is still Jewish. What am I saying? Your ethnicity is not to be overlooked. Your ethnicity is not to be lessened. It makes up the beautiful dimensions and majesty of his likeness and his image. Therefore, to lessen one's ethnicity of any kind is to lessen the portrait of God on earth. And I gotta tell you, church, I don't wanna play a part in that. I wanna step back and say, God, may the world see your majesty and your glory and your beauty in each and every one of us and our interconnectedness together. I just wanna make a couple of statements about church home. We are a church for the world. And I believe that's God's plan for us. Technology is now allowing us to prepare to be in all kinds of cultures, all kinds of countries, all kinds of languages, and all kinds of cultures and ethnicities. And I can't tell you how excited I am because I believe it's God's plan for the church, that the church would be a place that looks like heaven. And I'll speak to this more later in the series, but when we get to heaven, Bible declares every tribe, every tongue, every kindred, that means different languages, different ethnicities, different backgrounds. We will all make up the divine portrait of God. I know that's a lot. I know we've said a lot, but I hope in a way that your heart and your spirit jumps at the reality of what we're declaring and speaking over your life. You are so important and you are so valuable, and you are a walking, talking miracle. Let me pray for you, church. God, I thank you for the minutes and moments we shared together. I recognize, God, in these 35 minutes, um, we have talked about so much. So now we ask again for you to do what only you can do. By your spirit form, teach us. Bring things back to our memory. Help us to have robust conversations with one another Help us grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lastly, if you're watching wherever you are in the world and you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers, the zenith of this whole story is that God put on skin and bone, 
Jewish Jesus was sinless and perfect. He became our heir and our wrong because he had no sin. He could pay the price for your sin and mine. I think today I can't help it, but I think of the sin of racism. Billy Graham was quoted as saying, it is probably the most toxic, the worst sin of all. I got good news today. Jesus died for the sin of racism so that we can be reconciled to God and reconciled to one another. Are you guilty of sin? Jesus forgives. How do I receive this forgiveness? Well, that's just it. You just receive it. You can't earn it or deserve it, but just receive it. If you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers on the count of three, I know this sounds odd, but wherever you are, even if you're in a park, a public park watching on your cell phone, I want you to lift your hand because I think when you respond to the, on the outside to what's happened on the inside, it just makes it more real to you. You know who you are. I think God is speaking to you right now. One, two, three. Just lift up that hand wherever you are. Even with a couple of roommates right now at college, lift up your hand, put it right back down. Jesus, I thank you. You save completely, totally, and eternally. And I thank you, Father, you have separated us from our error and our sin and our wrong, and we are forgiven forever in Jesus' name. Hey, church home, I love you. Please stay tuned for, for me, the most exciting series we've ever done at church home. Love you and see you soon.